In the book of Exodus, I got to get all this out too. We're going to start in chapter 16. There's a few things that uh, we're going to be studying tonight about the glory of God. And this glory is something that manifests itself many, many times in a cloud. Okay, we've, we've looked at how there were times when that eternal fire, which had no beginning and had no end, came down from heaven, from the presence of the Lord, and ignited something on earth. All right, whether it was the sacrifices, whether it was the rebellion of, of Korah, uh, whether it's the fires of hell, whether it's the fires of Lake of Fire, Sodom, Gomorrah, that, that eternal fire came down. And when that fire came down, specifically to consume those sacrifices and such, the people bowed themselves before it because they saw the glory of the Lord. So we saw that glory in fire, right? That, that, that is very picturesque of God and his judgment. Right? I was talking with somebody just tonight about the judgment of God, that uh, if, when you step back and you look at, at what goes on in light of Scripture, you can see God's hand of judgment upon certain ones. Right? And friends, let me tell you, that's not being judgmental. But that is being wise and discerning the judgment of God. Far too often we're so afraid of, oh, I don't want to be judgmental. But yet you won't look at what the Bible says God will do if somebody does something. And then something happens to them. And, oh, well, I don't want to be judgmental. I don't know if that's why that happened. Pit it against the Bible. Stop looking at the Bible through the eyes of religion, through the eyes of independent Baptist religion, through the eyes of Methodist religion, through the eyes of Catholicism. Stop, stop looking at it through that. Look at everything else through the eyes of the Bible. And all of a sudden, it'll make all sorts of sense. Okay. Um, so, but we're going to go down through these. Uh, my final point tonight is going to bring all of this to a, a culmination. All right. So just so you're aware, we are working up towards something. Okay. Now, this isn't something earth shattering. This isn't something that's just going to knock you off your feet and, and you know, going to be just, wow, look at that. But it very well may be something that you jump up and run the aisles and scream glory. Okay? We'll see what the Lord does. I don't know. But uh, Exodus chapter 16, look at verse 10. Uh, actually, you know what? Before we start, Brother Mike Back, do you want to ask the Lord to bless our time of preaching? Amen. All right. So Exodus chapter 16. So this is just after the waters of Marah, where they, they came off and they had escaped Pharaoh's army, just crossed over the Red Sea, and they get a few days down the road, and all of a sudden they have no water. And so they start complaining. And then they get to water, the waters of Marah, and it's bitter, and the people complain even further. And, of course, Moses throws the tree in, makes the water sweet, and all of that, and he provides for them. Well, they continue on. And lo and behold, they start complaining again because the way is tough and they're lacking supplies. They're lacking what they think they need. And so they start whining and complaining again. All right. And so this is this is what is uh, taking place right here. Um, let's start at verse seven, actually. Uh, Exodus 16, verse seven. And in the morning, then you shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that you murmur against us? Moses said, this shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat and in the morning bread to, to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which you murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And Moses spake unto Aaron, said, uh, spake unto Aaron 
Say unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he hath heard your murmurings. What a terrifying thing. All right, it's like you've done something throughout the day, and your mom says, well, just wait till your dad gets home. And then you hear his truck pull in, and you hear the truck door slam, and it's all squeaky because it's rusty. And then you hear his footsteps on the porch, and you hear the door open and the door close, and then you hear some soft talking in the kitchen. And then you hear, where's my son? And then I go downstairs, and then I, I get my comeuppance. Okay? This is what's going on here. Mm, I don't know. That terrifies me. Think of that. Say unto the congregation of the children of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he hath heard your murmurings. And some of them were only murmuring in their hearts. Verse 10. And it came to pass, as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. Now, what cloud was that? Well, that was that pillar of cloud that was to lead them by day. Remember, there was that pillar of fire that would lead them by night. Okay, so they didn't camp every night. Think about that. He led them by night sometimes. Wouldn't let them rest. All right. Um, so this is the first place we see this, where the glory of the Lord is connected with a cloud in the same verse. All right, let's go to Exodus chapter 24. As long as we're right here, move on to the next place. There's only a couple places that I skipped in all of these, that it was, it was just not quite the same connotation, okay? It, it didn't have the same connection of what we're looking at here tonight. Uh, but Exodus chapter 24, starting at verse 13, it says this, And Moses rose up, and his minister Joshua, and Moses went up into the mount of God. And he said unto the elders, Tarry ye here for us, until we come again unto you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any man have any matters to do, let them come unto them. Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount. Remember that. Okay, Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount. And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And so seven, six days without hearing anything. We, we don't like to go five minutes without hearing something, especially if it's something that we know we need to hear from the Lord. Would we be willing to wait through an entire two weeks of preaching to hear what God wanted us to hear on the last night? Think about that. Let alone to go that entire time without hearing anything. But again, that's not what we're preaching tonight. It's just, it's just in there. Verse 17, And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. Now I want you to remember this. Uh, to the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure. To the froward, thou wilt show thyself froward. Do you think Moses saw that cloud as a devouring fire? Just think about that. The people saw it, and they saw a devouring fire. He was about to receive the law. Okay? How do you think Moses saw it? Just think about it. Verse 18. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mountain. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. 
Exodus chapter 40. Be our next reference that we're going to look at. Exodus chapter 40, verse 32. The very final chapter of the book of Exodus. This is the closing out of everything. The tabernacle is constructed. Everything is prepared. Everything is ready. Verse 32. And when they went into the tent of the congregation, and when they were come near unto the altar, they washed, as the Lord commanded Moses. And he reared up the court round about the tabernacle and the altar, and set up the hanging of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. Now, this is the court. It's that fence that went around the tabernacle, right? So, again, if you take the time and you go through Exodus 25 to Exodus 40, you will be able to construct a tabernacle in your, just draw it out, just stick figure, you know, just straight lines and, you know, just really rough sketch. You'll be able to see those things much clearer. No matter how many times you've seen a picture of the tabernacle in the wilderness, how you've seen it diagrammed out, when you actually study through and find the actual dimensions, cubit by cubit, make it proportional. It doesn't have to be perfect, but use a straight edge, make it proportional. Have the court there, have the gates at the right place, have the ark on the right place, have the northeast, southwest correct. You'll be able to understand these things a whole lot better, especially when you get into the book of Leviticus. All right, verse 34. It says, Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled their tabernacle. And when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward in all their journeys. So when the cloud came down, and specifically in this time, it says that the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. All right, seeing the glory of the Lord and a cloud in the same light. All right, Numbers chapter 16. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. 16 and verse 42. Smack dab in the middle of the wanderings. Uh, You know what? Let's start in verse 41. It says, But on the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, Ye have killed the people of the Lord. It came to pass when the congregation gathered against Moses and against Aaron, that they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation and beheld, behold, the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. All right. The people are murmuring against Moses and Aaron because of the earth swallowing up the sons of Korah and all of this. And the people are saying that Moses and Aaron killed them. You read through that whole thing. It's, it's quite terrifying. It says, literally says that they went quick into the pit in verse 30. Now, what is the pit? Hell. What does it mean to be quick? Alive. All right? Underneath your fingernails, there's a part of that that's alive. You ever cut too deep and you've cut into the quick? It's very painful. All right? Um, your grandmother used to tell, tell you, go get that thimble for me and be quick about it. She wasn't saying be fast, but be lively. Go get it. I need it. Be alive. Okay? That's what quick means in your King James Bible. They went alive into the pit of hell. Which shows you where the pit of hell is. Because the earth opened up. Jesus spent three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Okay? Just consider all of that. Okay. Um, Look at verse 42. 
Again, and it came to pass when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron that they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation and behold, the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. All right, the next place we're going to look is 1 Kings chapter 8. 1 Kings chapter 8. And we're going to start in verse 9. First Kings chapter eight and verse nine. Yes, I have this correct. All right. There was nothing in the ark save two tables of stone, which Moses put there at Horeb, when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel, when they came out of the land of Egypt. And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. What are we seeing in all these places? We're seeing the glory of God connected with a cloud. All right? Turn to Isaiah chapter 4. Isaiah chapter 4. Brother Morris shared something with me out of Isaiah chapter 4 earlier today. And as I was putting this all together, I found it again. It's like, wow, how about that? It's good stuff. All right, Isaiah chapter 4 and verse 3. It says, and it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion and he that remaineth in Jerusalem shall be called holy, even every one that is written among the living in Jerusalem. When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. Now, lowercase s spirit of judgment and spirit of burning. Whose spirit do you think that is? Who is going to stand as judge over all the earth? Jesus Christ. Now, how does it fit the burnings? Well, he's going to thoroughly purge his floor. All right. He's going to baptize you with Holy Ghost and with fire. Okay. Something interesting there. There's Jesus right in the volume of the book. By the way, lowercase L-O-R, uppercase L, lowercase O-R-D, at the beginning of that verse. Again, signifying Jesus Christ. Verse 5. And the Lord will create upon every dwelling place of Mount Zion and upon her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For upon all the glory shall be a defense. There shall be a tabernacle, uh, and there shall be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat and for a place of refuge, and for a covert from storm and from rain. We see that cloud and that uh, smoke by day shining in that glory, okay? Showing, and again, pointing back to what was in the wilderness and what will be in the time to come, okay? There's significant things all throughout this. Ezekiel chapter 10. Ezekiel chapter 10. If you wonder where Ezekiel is, next book from Isaiah is Jeremiah. And then Ezekiel is immediately right after Jeremiah. Ezekiel chapter 10. And Ezekiel 10 is actually the only chapter that comes between Ezekiel 9 and Ezekiel 11. It's unique in that. Ezekiel 10 and verse 4. says, Then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub, and stood over the threshold of the house. Now, I'll give you a little background of what's happening. Uh, Babylon is marching on Jerusalem. Right? They're about to take them. 
Assyria has already taken the northern kingdom of Israel. They're gone, completely wiped out. Jerusalem is about to be taken, and the southern kingdom of Judah is about to be taken by Babylon. And so, as they are approaching, something happens, very significant. The glory of the Lord went up from the cherub. Now, where was the cherub? Well, it was in the inner court. Where's the inner court? In the temple. What was in the inner court of the temple? The ark of God. Okay? The glory of the Lord went up from the cherub and stood over the threshold of the house. And the house was filled with the cloud, and the court was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. Now, I want you to read down through that sometime, but go over to verse 17. It says, when they stood, these stood, and when they were lifted up, these lifted up themselves also, for the spirit of the living creature was in them. Then the glory of the Lord departed from off the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubims. And the cherubims lifted up their wings and mounted up from the earth in my sight. And when they went out, the wheels also were beside them. And everyone stood at the door of the east gate of the Lord's house. And the glory of the God of, the God of Israel was over them above. Are you thoroughly confused? What you just saw was the ark leaving this earth. Okay. Of all the items listed that they took from Jerusalem and from in that temple, you remember in uh, Nebuchadnezzar and, and uh, in Daniel, and it talks about all those vessels that they drank out of, and everything was recorded that they took, but not the Ark of the Covenant. And that was the symbol of power in Israel. That would have been listed if it was there, but it was not. The glory of God resided in that Ark. And when the glory of God was taken up from out of Jerusalem and out of the temple and taken up from the earth, the vessel containing the glory of God was taken as well. This is the Old Testament showing us the rapture. Because when God says, come up hither, he that letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. The Holy Ghost is now holding back that spirit of Antichrist. And when he is taken out of the way, the vessels containing him are going to go up as well. Okay, So this is an Old Testament picture of the rapture. Because you don't see the Ark of the Covenant again until the book of Revelation. Where is it? It's in heaven. Yeah. Indiana Jones was never going to find it. Okay, Because it ain't here no more. It's definitely not in some stockpile warehouse someplace in a crate. All right. Uh, turn over to Matthew chapter 17 now. Dropping into the New Testament. Matthew chapter 17. We're going to read the same account in three different Gospels. Okay? Matthew 17, starting at verse 4. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here the three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. For while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. A lot I could preach out of this, but we're just going to go over to Mark chapter 9 now. Mark chapter 9, starting at verse 5. It says, And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. 
And let us make thee three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. For he wist not what to say, for they were sore afraid. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear ye him, or hear him. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, starting at verse 33, says, And it came to pass, as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make thee three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elias, not knowing what he said. While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them. And they feared as they entered into the cloud. There came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. Now we saw the glory of God in the Old Testament in a cloud. We saw it over the tabernacle. We saw it uh, in the tabernacle. We saw it in the temple. We saw it as it was taken and, and gone from the temple in Jerusalem and taken up away. Then we see a cloud. We saw that, that of course, that cloud that was uh, overshadowing Mount Sinai that Moses went up into, Right? And then we get here. And again, God comes down. God the Father, the highest, comes down upon that mount of transfiguration when Moses and Elias appear. You know who Moses and Elias are? The law and the prophets. Okay? I have, I have pretty, pretty sure confidence that I know who those two witnesses are that are going to come during the tribulation. Because it's always the law and the prophets that testify of Jesus Christ. Okay? Just consider that. And then here we are in the New Testament. And this cloud, again, speaking forth. And the glory of God is seen in this cloud. And now we're going to read a verse in Acts chapter 1 that you're very, very familiar with. You've read it a dozen times. Maybe more. And you have seen this every time, and this is not brand new information to you. But I am a knucklehead. Okay? And I am thick-headed, and it takes a while for God to show me things. Not to mention that every new Bible changes this. In every new Bible, when Jesus leaves the earth and ascends into heaven, it says he goes up from the earth and into a cloud. He just goes into a cloud, just disappears into a cloud. Acts chapter 1, verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. The glory of God came down, And he received his son back unto himself. Like I said, it's not not earth shattering. But we had to look at everywhere the cloud and the glory are connected. To see that connection. And the key word there is received. He was received up into that cloud. And it wasn't just you know, fog in the air of condensated uh, moisture into that, that vapor which makes a cloud floaty-looking thing. 
No, this was the glory of God that received his son back unto himself because his work on this earth was finished. Look at verse 10. And while they looked up steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Which means, when he returns, he's not just coming in on cumulonimbus. He's coming back in the glory of God. I, ex- I like that. <laughs> that excites me. Mostly because I never saw it before. Okay? And this is brand new to me. Just the fact that that was the glory of God that received him. He didn't just float up into a cloud. The cloud received him. Look at this. 1 Timothy 3.16. You turn there if you like. You can turn there if you've, even if you don't like to. But... 1 Timothy 3.16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Now, what is a mystery? It's something that is concealed. Okay? It's mysterious. We don't have full understanding of this thing. It's a mystery to us. And this is speaking of the mystery of godliness. And what we're about to see is this great mystery of godliness revealed. Look at this. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, the Holy One of Israel, that Holy One which would not see corruption, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, that which was from the beginning, which we have seen, which we have heard, which we, are, uh, we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life, For the life was manifested and we have seen it. Simeon went into the temple that day. And when Mary and Joseph brought the baby Jesus to him eight days after his birth, he took that baby up into his arms and said, Lord, I can go home to heaven now. I can go right on down to that, that Abraham's bosom. I can go to my rest because mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Now, what did he see? Did he see the blood? No. Did he see forgiveness? No. What did he literally see? What did his eyes see? They saw the body of Jesus Christ. The body of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, is salvation. He said that. Mine eyes have seen thy salvation. You won't find salvation in anything else. You won't find it in the Romans road. You won't find it in praying a prayer. You won't find it in penance. You won't find it in good works. You won't find it in repenting enough. When you find Jesus Christ, you find salvation. And the only place you're going to find the man Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, is in the pages of this King James Bible. So, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, and I believe I know when that was. Note, Zechariah chapter 3. Preached unto the Gentiles, believed on into the world, and what's that next word? Received up into glory. He was received up into a cloud, it says in Acts 1.9. Here it says he was received up into glory. 
It's no wonder that we saw a cloud in the glory of God connected so many times throughout the word of God. You can't find this stuff unless you believe every single word of that Bible. Oh, I don't know. I think a better translation of that word would be. But God already translated it from Greek into English for you. Just read what he wrote for you. Okay? You don't need to go back into Greek and then retranslate it back into English. Especially going off of James Strong's de- definitions. He was part of that revision committee of 1881. He was part of that, uh, the New American Standard Version of 1901. He has comments in the American Standard Version that make Jesus Christ a creator or a created being rather than the creator. Okay? His definitions, James Strong's definitions of those Greek words match up time and time and time again with the new versions of the Bible. So honestly, friends, if you're going to the Greek or the Hebrew to find the deeper meaning in the word of God, all you're finding is those New American Standard, NIV, ESV, CBS, NBC, Elemental Key, pick it. That's all you're finding. Which is why so many intellectual people look at a King James Bible, look at the Greek and Hebrew, look at the definitions, look at the new versions and say, oh, well, my deeper meaning takes me to the new versions, so I'll just use the new versions. Note, that's why Vincent Blanchard left the King James Bible. I've had personal conversations with him. That is the reason. He never trusted his Bible. Probably because he was never told that he could. Okay? Friends, you can trust every word in this King James Bible. It's perfect. All right? So, um, I got a couple more verses. I'm going to read to you. Hold on. Um, Well, Acts 1-9 again. Uh, now, we, we covered all that. Let's go to Luke 21. We'll wrap it up. Luke 21. It's received up into glory. That glory is that cloud. Luke chapter 21. Just reiterating this, this whole same thing. We're going to close it out with this. Luke 21 and verse 25. Oh, by the way, let's start at verse 24. This is interesting. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles, which happened in 70 AD. Okay, that happened in 70 AD. Until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. I know exactly when the rapture is going to happen. When the the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. That's exactly when it'll be. When the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, the word of God says, that's when it's going to happen. The very last person that is going to get saved gets saved and God calls his church. But the time is drawing nigh. Note that. That's just extra. Verse 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distresses, distress of nations with perplexity. Boy, aren't we seeing that today. Good night. And the sea and the waves roaring. We got hurricanes and all sorts of nasty stuff going on. And men's hearts failing them for fear. A nation, once toted as to being the most powerful nation of the earth, crippled to its knees for fear of a virus. Churches closed 
for the sake of health and safety. Just be smart about it. But listen, I'd rather have you stand outside the window and hear the preaching of the word of God. Or I'd rather have you maybe just stay in the back and just not cough on everybody than for you to stay home. By the way, when you get sick, you get sick. If the Lord chooses to take you with a cold, he's going to take you with a cold. If the Lord chooses to take you home with coronavirus, he's going to take you home with coronavirus. If he chooses to take you home by hitting a deer and the deer come flying through that windshield and spearing you through with his antlers, he's going to do that. You can't hide from it. That's good. You're not getting out of this thing alive. Okay? That's it. Amen. Glory to God. Do I like getting sick? No, I do not. I'm just saying. Just consider it. All right. Uh, But, um, let's see. Men's heart failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming upon the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. What are the powers of heaven? What are the powers of heaven? The powers of heaven. that, That would be the power of the heavens. Okay. The powers of heaven are principalities. Powers, rules of darkness in high places. Okay, this is speaking to the the wicked powers in this world. Satan, okay, prince and power of the air, and they're gonna be shaken. And they shall see the Son of Man coming, what? In a cloud with power and great glory. Amen. That's good. That's that cloud. That's that glorious cloud coming back that received him up. He didn't just float up into a cloud and disappear. He didn't float up into the stratosphere. He didn't float up into the the cloud of cumulonimbus and get all dampened from the dew. No, my friends. He was received up into glory. And those angels told those disciples, he's going to come in like manner. And we see him speaking that very thing. They shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And we're close with this. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Woo! Is that a little too loud for a prayer meeting service? I'm sorry. Glory to God, he's coming back! He's coming back for me! Is he coming back for you? Can you say that with confidence? Some of you have a Christianity that's good enough to live by, but is it good enough to die by? Yeah. Just consider it. All right. It's 10 minutes till.